Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for protecting us and guiding us this week again. We praise you for refining our faith through this pandemic. Help us focus on your goodness and greatness more than our limitations and frustration. Holy Spirit, nourish our holy imagination with your words now so that we can glorify the blessed name of Jesus, our Savior and your Son. Amen. Let us read 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 to 16. 1 Timothy chapter 3, 14 to 16. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you this instruction so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is a church of a living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all questions, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. Amen. After instructing about the qualification and the functions of a different church leadership office, offices, Paul now tells Timothy and us two important things about the church. That is a conduct and then confession of the church. Conduct and confession. That's what we're going to look at today. And conduct and confession are closely related and synergetic, just as a walking the gospel and talking the gospel cannot be separated from each other. Let me start with a confession first and then conduct. The reason I take this reversal order is because once we understand what we confess and believe, how we conduct ourselves becomes clear and easier. For the confession, Verse 16, Paul calls our confession the mystery. The mystery. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. Now we need to remember and recognize the word mystery, or in Greek, mysterion. In Paul's time, this word was a loaded term. Mystery here is not just a secret or a hidden religious dogma, but the final Revelation of God for human history. Final revelation of God for human history. This great mystery tells us not just any secret, but an awesome story of Jesus that reveals God's promise and purpose, which was hidden all this time. But Jesus brought the last and the perfect revelation of God. So this mystery makes us say, I know the ultimate truth of a salvation. I know the ultimate meaning of a life. I know the divine, most divine will, uh, which is crystal clearly illustrate what I am or what every human being is supposed to do. This mystery is a story of God revealed in Jesus. And verse 16, Paul quoted the early Christians a Christological hymn. And just like uh, Philippians chapter 2, Christological hymn. And then 1 Timothy uh, poem has uh, 18 words in Greek and has uh, three sets of a pair. 
that describe about Jesus. And each pair invite the reader and to, to say a prayer. So first pair is about the revelation. He appeared in the flesh and was vindicated by the Spirit. Jesus' appearance in the flesh is a reference to his birth and incarnation. The eternal Son, the architect and the judge of the universe, who is without beginning and without end, became a man. Do you remember John 1.14? The Word became a flesh, the Logos took the sarks or flesh. The second half of uh, the pair, vindicate by the Spirit, refers to corresponding bookend of his earthly life, which is his resurrection. Romans 1.4 explained that Christ was declared to be Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Likewise, Romans 8.11 also speaks the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. So first pair sings of a supernatural incarnation and resurrection of a Christ that revealed him as a Messiah and the Son of God for us. And the second pair is about witnesses. He was seen by angels, was preached among the nations. The second pair contrasts the witnesses, heavenly angels and earthly nations. One is supernatural, the other is natural. One is a superhuman, the other human. Angels saw everything. According to the Bible, angels saw the birth of Christ. They sang, do you remember? Before Mary, or the, uh, before the uh, uh, shepherds. And they served Christ at his, after his temptation. And uh, during the Gethsemane prayer, angels really strengthened Jesus. And obviously, they're the first witness of, witnesses of a resurrection. Angels were the least removed from Jesus, and the nations or Gentiles, literally word is Gentiles, were farthest removed, and he was proclaimed among the nations. So the whole realm of intelligent creation saw Christ. He was, there was a cosmic witness to Christ on earth and in heaven. The third pair sings of a reception given to Christ. He was believed on, on in the world and was taken up in glory. Here we see his reception in two separate geographies, earth and heaven. He was believed on in the world. Regarding this, Apostle John wrote, said in the, John chapter 1, verse 10 and 12 this way, He was in the world, and world was made through him, yet world did not know him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. At the end, his earthly reception was crowned with his heavenly reception. He was taken up in glory. This refers to Christ's ascension. If angels... If angels sang in wonder at the birth of Christ. When he came down to earth, imagine how much more they must have sung when he returned to heaven. So here is the point. The magnificent Christ of this 
grand confession or great confession makes possible the godly conduct of the church that Paul so earnestly desires. Because we confess such a Christ, we can and we must conduct ourselves in a way that brings glory to Him. Now, how the church is to conduct in a manner worthy of a mystery of a Christ-saving grace, Paul used the three metaphors for the church in verse 5. Conduct themselves in God's household, which is a church of a living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Here I want to reflect on the church as a God's household or family, because in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we saw Paul repeatedly connecting household of elders and deacons to managing church. So let us examine our forest church as a family of God and pray that this metaphor becomes materialized in our life. Church is a family means God is a father, we are his children, therefore brothers and sisters. For starters, it means we have an eternal relationship. You know, that fact that we are a family of God has a profound implication. The first thing is our relationship is not just temporary, it's eternal. And we will be brothers and sisters always. And if you are not getting along with your brothers and sisters, this eternal aspect may not seem so inviting. But the blessed fact is, in heaven, it will be redeemed and perfected family with God we will dwell. And with each other we will dwell. That's a hopeful news. Even in our worst church relationship, we can and we will have a best reconciliation eventually at the end if earthly reconciliation attempts fail. Also, the church as a family of God renders an essential wisdom on how to cultivate and create a godly fellowship in the church. As we learn from the parable of a prodigal son and elder son in Luke chapter 15, the key in family or God's family is to know the father's heart. Remember, the elder son did not have a right relationship with his younger brother, not because his younger brother was a loser, but because the elder son did not know the father's heart. And he assumed that he knew his father's heart. Knowing God's heart is the wisdom of all healthy relationship. Here is an implicit relational triangle that we see. God, the father and son at the pinnacle, and we, the believers or his children, at the bottom angles. So the closer our relationship to him, the closer we become to one another. A great American pastor and thinker A.W. Tozer gave this truth unforgettable uh, metaphor, an expression. Let me quote. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of a one accord by being united, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshippers met together, each one looking away to Christ, 
are in heart nearer to each other, then they could possibly be were they to become unity, conscious, and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. The more, end of the quote, the more we know Christ, the heart of God, the better we conduct in the church of a living God and as a pillar of a pillar and foundation of the truth. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, what a magnificent and profound mystery have you revealed to us in Christ Jesus. What we believe is not just another religious dogma, but the mystery of God materialized in human history. By your grace, we receive the ultimate truth and we know the meaning of life clearly and concretely. With the blessed good news of Jesus who revealed your heart to us in every aspect of human life, help us to conduct as a grateful family of God, the church of a living God. Bless us, forests, and our each house church today. Enjoy your presence as our Father and encourage one another as a brother and sister of this gracious God. In the name of Jesus, the living God, who did live and still lives with us, we pray. Amen.